Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During challenging times, it is easy to focus on the things that divide us. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are united with Christ, united in purpose, and united with each other. Enjoy this week's message. Well, I want to welcome you to week two of a journey that we're taking together. I want to welcome all of those in the video venues here at the Keller campus our volunteers, our people who have greeted, who have parked, who have served, and and they are choosing to serve all of you with our social distancing by being in those video venues. So I just wanna tell you how proud I am of you. You guys are the heroes, and we're so thankful for you. I wanna welcome those watching at 1230. Welcome all of those that are as well online. We still have part of our spiritual family here, some of you for various reasons still watching online and new people joining every week. And so would we put our hands together, celebrate our church family and all of those that are joining us today? Well, we are on a spiritual journey. If you're new with us, I want you to know sometimes when you think, man, it's already started, then I've missed the boat, but you haven't because this weekend is a great chance for some of you to jump into this journey that we're on. We found several years ago with our desire to not just be a mob of people who come listen to a big bald guy talk every week and feel disconnected and feel like they don't have any relationships. And I've always said this, that it's really great just to kind of sit on the periphery unless you wanna grow or you have a problem. When you have a problem, you don't wanna be on the periphery, you wanna be around the people that can help you and pray for you and serve you. And so we have intentionally for years worked at creating moments where we can move together, not just to be a convention center of people, but a spiritual family. And one of the tools and ways we've done that is through these spiritual emphasis series like United. And so I'd have a real simple step for you if you're not on the journey with us, and that is to grab a guide You can get a guide there in the commons if you're here live with us. You can also, uh, and by the way, thousands of people, we've done three orders of the guide, so people are utilizing this tool to help you get in the Word of God. And so we have the physical guides, and we're glad to offer those to you. We've mailed out guides to many of you online, and there's been hundreds of digital downloads of people that are jumping in and getting a guide. You can also, and I would highly encourage you to do so, a lot of the groups are just now forming. They've had intro weeks, but it's been real simple. Get a guide, get in a group. And we have online groups and we have physical groups and we have a team of people that would love to serve you because I know that can be intimidating a little bit. It's like, how do I do this? And you know, it's kind of like do it yourself doesn't always work. You can obviously go to the United website page and you can find what you need, but you can also text groups to this number and we have a team of people that'll personally help you with every step along the way. So we wanna help you get connected. We wanna go on this journey. Um, I heard a story about Lance and his new wife. I heard about this couple who, They were in Central Texas, they were graduating from college, and then they started realizing as they were moving to this area that they needed a church, so they started following us online like some of you are doing, and then when they moved here, we were regathering in June, and so they uh, started regathering with us, and they went to the first step in our growth track, which I encourage all of you to do if you haven't. 
They came to 101, and then they are doing the United series with us, and they're in 301, which is a cool step, too, because we give you a small group in there where you make some friends and relationships. So that's a great example of going from observing what's going on to then taking steps, and so now they're finding friends, and they have a group, and it's an exciting thing, and and because they're wearing green and gold from Jerusalem on the Brazos, where God's presence dwells at Baylor University. We have allowed them to park in guest parking for five years for free, and then we gave them a discount tithe coupon, and so they are part of the leadership team. They are elite members of Milestone B, just because of this picture right here. So just, you know, you can follow suit if you want to. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're walking chapter by chapter, pulling out the key nuggets of the chapter. We'll take one chapter where we'll actually do two weeks on the chapter, but we're taking the steps to understand what meets us where we are in our world. You'll find this about the Word of God. We feel like it's a bunch of archaic, dusty old stories and hard to understand phrases but you find at every turn when you engage with this living book through the power of the Holy Spirit, it meets us right where we are. This is a port city, Ephesus, has a lot of dark things happening, a lot of division, a lot of tumultuous activity. The temple Artemis is there, there's idolatry. And Paul goes there and he shares the message of Jesus with a group of people. It's important that you understand that because he's writing to them to encourage them in their newfound faith. And he's encouraging them to begin to understand and know what actually happened when they received the message of Jesus Christ. And so uh, he loves them. He spent some time there with them and he had to run out of town because of the riots and challenges with him preaching this gospel message, and so they're under persecution. He's in prison, so he's riding back from prison, so everything's not rosy, so that you see that the Bible is, again, not an edited version of life, but it's real life, and so he's riding back to them and reminding them uh, who they are, and so we learned last week some very powerful things about him telling them about this new relationship that they have with the God who created them. And he uses some very powerful thoughts there of talking about an inheritance they have, and he starts talking to them about, about the fact that they've been adopted as sons and daughters. I mean, this is very rich language of their newfound position in God. And we learned last week, and if you haven't had a chance to watch the message, you can go online. We learned last week that we can be known we would rather be known than unknown, so we are known by God. It's not like we're just trying to serve this distant God with these rules and regulations where we can't connect with his heart. We, we can be known by him, and so we learned that last week. This week, we're going to talk about something that I think all of us would be very interested in, actually, and that is, in your guide, this week is about being strengthened. How many of you have recently had a moment where you're like, I could use a little more strength? It's kind of like we're so emotionally tired, we feel physically tired. It's like, why am I so tired? It's just like, 
I need some strength because it seems like everything we have to do right now with all of the emotional requirements and the practical requirements and the fear related and all the stuff going on in our world, it's like everything requires 50% more energy and we were already maxed out before all of this happened. And then real life still keeps going on too, by the way. So maybe you had some challenges at work this week. You've got some problems there, and you're just like, I need I need some more power. <laughs> I need some more strength. Where do I tap into it, you know? I need an energy drink. Can I get a bang? Can I get some more coffee? Can I get something? Can I get something to help me have a little extra energy to be able to make it through what I'm required to make it through? And there's emotional things in our families. Maybe you're facing something. You're really, really concerned about someone in your family. Maybe there's division in your world. We've learned that the theme of this book is unity. We can be unified with our God and we can be unified with one another and the broken places and the broken pieces can come back together in unity. And so we're wanting to know how to obtain that because that's a theme. And every new season brings a need for new strength. New levels have new devils and New levels require new levels of strength. And so we're asking ourselves, do I have what it takes for this new season that I'm going into? Did you know a lot of people have lost jobs and a lot of people have faced challenging circumstances and new realities and yet some people really at the end of the day haven't really lost that much, but there's a fear of losing it. There's a term called imposter syndrome that plagues people who are successful. And the imposter syndrome is this, I'm at this place of newfound success and I'm trying to pretend like I'm not afraid that I will lose it. And so the fear of losing the success that you have or the place you've gained can create anxieties and pressures and problems and challenges and just life just keeps rolling on and every new season requires some new strength. I've been thinking about, it's a little bit out there probably, but when you start to get kids turning 20, have two off at college, then, you know, moving in, into their 20s, you know, we don't have any, any prospects yet, but you start thinking about engagements and weddings, and then my wife and I, we went on our date lunch Thursday, we started thinking about grandparenting, you know, I know it's a little early, but we're just postulating about it. Any grandparents out there, come on now, grandparents, powerful people. And I've learned something, that just like everything in our world, things are changing, the rules are different. And my wife said, honey, you're gonna need a grandpa name. I said, what's wrong with grandpa? She said, it's not like that anymore. You have to have a specific name. I said, oh really, do tell. She said, I'm gonna be honey. You'll be honey bear. I am sweet and I can wrestle a bear, but I don't know that I want to be called honey bear. I, can I get a vote? Could you guys maybe at some level appeal on my behalf? I mean, I need something stronger than honey bear. Come on now. And by the way, it's like we're calling these people that? Honey bear? I mean, the man survived the depression. I mean, the guy's fought in world wars and we're calling him honey bear? I mean, come on, y'all. There's a problem with this, okay? We need something a little bit stronger. Now, I didn't do those things, but I don't want to be called a honey bear, okay? It's just the way it is. I mean, anyway, back to my point. 
New places in life require new strength. We all know we need the strength. And just like everything in this series, we're asking the question, where do we get it? How do we access it? So you're telling me it's available, but how do I actually get it? We've learned some definitions before we go to Ephesians chapter two. That's where I want us to look. We're gonna look at the first 10 verses. We've learned that unity is available. We've learned that we can be in Christ, Paul says. We can be included in Christ, not on the outside. And we've learned last week that we can be known by knowing him better. No matter where you are, even if you're on the outside and you've never heard the message of Jesus Christ, you can know him better by some simple steps. But even if you have walked with God for 40 years, you can know him better. Ephesians 2, though, starts telling us at a deeper level who we really are and where the strength is available. These are some of the richest passages in the New Testament, by the way. They are some of the most foundational, fundamental. If you haven't read the Bible a lot, these tell us not culture, not someone in their basement on a blog, not someone on Instagram telling us how God thinks about us. These are the foundational passages of how we relate to God and how God relates to us. It says, as for you, you were dead. Wow, that just goes against culture right there, right off the bat. You were dead in your transgression and sin. There's kind of a cultural philosophy today that we're not really that bad. We're just like sort of bad. If we had more education, if we had more information, I'm for education, I'm for learning, I'm for growing. But at its basic level, education and information does not make a bad person better because they don't even possess the ability to choose the right decision even when the right decision is in front of them because at our fundamental level, we are dead. We're born broken, flawed, and dead. No one has to teach you how to blow your life up. No one has to tell you how to mess your marriage up. No one has to tell you how to have regret when it comes. No one has to train you in that because Paul tells us, as for you, before you received what he's about to tell us, you were dead. You were dead in your sin. You were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, that's the enemy, that's Satan who comes to kill, to steal, and destroy your life. He will tell you the real party's happening in hell. He will tell you that's where the people that are really living it up, that's the way to go, but he doesn't tell you the repercussions of your depression he doesn't tell you the repercussions of your sin, your anxiety. He doesn't tell you about your addiction, your brokenness, your relationship. He doesn't tell you all that. But it says you were formerly following that set of patterns and rules in the spirit of this air. But now look what he begins to show us as we've been translated into a different place. He says you lived at that time gratifying the cravings of the flesh, following the desires and the thoughts he says, you've been following that. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. We deserved this just place. This, this is really the justice you deserve, is you deserve punishment for all the stuff you've done. That's really what you justly deserve. But because of his great love for us, 
because of his great love for us. God gets a bad rap sometimes. He loves us so much. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He didn't make religious people more religious. He didn't make uninformed people more educated. He, he, he made dead people alive. People who possess no life now possess true life because we've been made alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, look at this, it is by grace you have been saved. You did not even possess the thought or the understanding that you were totally dead and could be made alive, but by God's gracious mercy, his love, he illuminated the truth into your hearts. He showed you a full picture of who Jesus is. He did not say to you, become more religious. You hear someone say that this week when you begin to ask them, are you included in Christ? Are you walk? Do you know that you can know him better? And they say, well, I'm not very religious. Then you can say, good, because that's not the goal. You have been saved by the grace of God. Now, there are some of you who have never heard that before. The young lady that we just prayed for, if you're watching this message later, in our service, we actually had a prayer moment where we prayed for one another and Pastor Mike Banus, our pastoral care team pastor, began to talk about that there was a young lady who was suicidal because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there was a friend who said, hey, watch this message where I shared last week the gospel of Jesus Christ. She went from despair depression, hopelessness, but when she found out Jesus loved her by the grace of God, not on the basis of her performance or her mistakes, that's the enemy will tell you, you're used goods, you're damaged goods, there's no hope for you, you should just end it all. That's not the message of Jesus. She heard it for the first time. She began to say, okay, wait a minute, I am loved by God, and it transforms, that message transforms. There are some of you, when I say, by grace you are saved, you're like, yeah, you know it. You know where you were, <laughs> and you know where you would be. Come on now, don't be too honest in church. Have you ever thought about where you would be without Jesus? Oh my gosh, I would be in trouble. I don't do anything halfway. <laughs> my thesis is, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Like, I hate kind of hypocritical fake sinners. If I was going to do it, let's get it on, baby. Y'all know what I'm saying. I mean, if we're going to sin, I love a good sinner. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the one just gets it on. You know where you'd be? I'd do. I'd be in trouble. I'd be, as many people as I'm leading to Jesus, I'd be leading a bunch of people to that party in hell. Y'all know what I'm talking about? By grace, I've been saved. There's some of you know that, but there's also many, I believe, many of you watching who don't know the next phrase because it doesn't stop at you were saved boom, just come on up to heaven. Oh, we got the grace of God. Some of you at a vacation Bible school or a message like this or a friend or someone, your grandmother prayed for you and by grace you have been saved and you stop there. Wow, I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. Man, it's awesome. But how do I live now? You gotta live with the and. Everybody say and. Not just saved. And... God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you thought about this, but there's no spot 
higher than that. There's nothing on your prayer request that's above that seat. And we have a seat right there. Seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, which the heavenly realms influence the natural realms. The heavenly realm is more real than the natural realm. The heavenly realm is more powerful than the the natural realm. And he says, we're seated right there. In order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness. Do you see the language there? Mercy, grace, kindness, riches in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. You have to put your faith into it. You have to decide to do it. You have to say, I will follow. If none go with me, I still follow. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. You know why the religious thing doesn't work? Because if you could do it, which you can't, religion makes you quit. Because whatever you fail at long enough, you eventually quit anyway. It doesn't work. But the reason it also doesn't work is salvation and a relationship with God is a gift. Not by works, so that no one could boast. If we could fix ourselves, then we could be God. I'm good, I made it. No, you can't boast about it because you couldn't do it because you were dead. We are God's handiwork. Look at this. This is where it ultimately ends up. We're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In my last few moments, I want to talk about this week's theme. We're seated with Christ. We're seated with Christ. You may have never thought about that. You may not even know that. But I want you to know that, and I don't want you just to know it intellectually, I want you to know it spiritually. I want it to go from information to revelation of the authority, the power, the position, the available resource that you have at your disposal because you're in that seat with Christ. You're in that place with him. Something we don't think about a lot when we hit a few barriers or challenges or even when we face our day. We don't think a lot about, wait a minute, my position is I'm in that seat. I'm in that seat. Have you ever really wanted something that you didn't have? Have you ever really wanted something you didn't have? I know I have. We can all think back over life where you wanted something. You know, you start as a baby, you want someone to feed you. You, That happens frequently. You want someone to change your diaper. You want the toy that your brother or sister has. You want the new bike that the kid down the street, I didn't want the garage sale bike. You want the BMX bike. You want the one with the little things on it and all of that. You want the bike. You want the sports equipment. You want the, whatever it is you want. I've got two kids still at home, two in college. And the two left at home have a couple of big wants right now. One of them, my sophomore daughter in November will turn 16 years old and she has a big want. She has no personal wherewithal to fulfill the want. She has a big request of her dad and girls have a way of really, really working their dad. Come on dads. And I love to mess with her and tell her she will get a junker We will hand you down something real bad to teach you how not to be entitled. And she's like, Dad, you wouldn't do that to me. I'm your daughter. You want to go on a date? She wants a car really bad. My youngest, Lainey Kate, who's about to turn 10, she wants wants something that is the worst. It is connected to the worst punishment, parents. By the way, I'm giving you, this is pro tip. 
Grounding doesn't work anymore. Spanking every now and then. I mean, look, let me just tell you. Take their phone. The end of the world has just begun. It is the end times. Take their phone. Laney wants a phone. At our house, we wait till you're a little bit older because we want you to actually still have some level of creativity and imagination before it drains all of that out of you. And so I told her the other day, I said, Lainey, she's real extroverted. She gets her mom's phone. She uses her mom's phone more than her mom uses. Texts her own friends on there on her mom's phone. And I told her, I said, look, I know you want one real bad, but once you get one, your life will never be the same. From now on, you will forever be connected to that. And so, so you, you don't really, she said, I want it. <laughs> it didn't work. Wanting something you don't have gnaws at you. But I heard a story that actually is even a different level of agony that I thought of, a different level of pain, and that is I heard about two men in their 40s this week, Zoltan Giza, who live in Budapest at this time. They're 40 years old, and their want was a roof over their head something we a lot of times take for granted. But a roof over their head, a warm meal, a warm bath. Come on, man, a bath, if you haven't had a bath in a while, how good does a good bath feel, a warm bath? They wanted all of those things, but for many, many years, they survived by selling scrap metal, by begging, by trying to find, they lived a life where they wanted this, but they lived a very impoverished, challenging existence. Very interesting story that all these years of wanting those things, and we can think about how bad it is to want those, attorneys found them somehow. And the attorney's information to them was that all these years you've been living this way several years ago, your grandmother died, and in European monetary valuation, comparatively to American dollars, What you didn't know is all this time when you've been living this way, your grandmother left you $5 billion. I thought about that and I thought, how many people who have been saved by grace through faith, a great, amazing thing, have stopped at the and? They stopped at the and and they don't know and. And, because it's a frustrating thing to want something you don't have, but it's a very, very challenging and agonizing thing to want something you already have. You already have it. And I want this to go deep into your souls this weekend, and that is, there's probably more power in the cross of Jesus Christ and in your now position and seated with him in heavenly realms than you're accessing today. There's probably more power in knowing who you really are and whose you really are than you're probably accessing. I just began to pray about it and think, well, what, how does this manifest itself when we don't really know we have it? I think, one, you don't think God hears you when you pray. I talk to so many people, they struggle with their prayer life because they're like, isn't God busy Doesn't he have more higher level things to deal with, some kind of global crisis besides listening to me and this business meeting that I have or this situation with my child that I have? 
If you don't think you're seated with him, you don't bother him. But when you see yourself properly, it brings a dynamic to your prayer life. You feel insecure about your future. Quite honestly, that's been the greatest challenge of our current circumstance is not only just the things that have happened to us, but our fear about the future. When you know your future involves you being seated with him, it changes it. You take credit for the good things in your life and you're ashamed of your mistakes. You're jealous when others are promoted. So many people are so jealous of everyone around them. Social media has heightened this in our world. They're so worried about what someone else is getting or what someone else is doing. We're busy trying to live someone else's life. The greatest day in your life is when you realize I have a seat in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus and that seat's big enough for others. It doesn't matter how many people sit in that seat, it doesn't affect in any way what God has in store for me, what God has planned for me. Someone else's place and seat and blessing has nothing to do with me. You're confused a lot of times. I know I've felt this from time to time with my upbringing and my understanding of God. You're confused if you're even worthy of God's blessing in your life. Like I don't know if I want God to really show up in my life because I don't know if that would even be right for God to really show up in my life. So I wanna spend here just the last few moments getting real practical. When you say seated with Christ, man, that's like some real religious terminology from the Bible, but I always love to say like, okay, make it practical. What do I do with that? What does that even look like? Well, there's three thoughts that I see in this set of passages that I think help us. Number one is it affects your access understanding. You have access to the supernatural realm because of your seat, your position, not on the basis of your merit or your worth, but you can now relate to God in a healthy way. You can relate in a healthy way because you now have a seat. The game looks different from that seat. I have a friend of mine who lives in the Miami area. I went to visit him a few years ago and he said, let's go to this Miami Heat game, basketball game. They're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. We're sitting up about halfway in the arena and the game was cool. We're enjoying the food, enjoying one another's fellowship. It was a great game from that position. Now, I've had maybe a little bit closer seats, but I'd never been any closer than that. And he knows people and friends. And he looked down there and he said, hey, I know the guy sitting down on the court side. So he called him and at intermission, the guy said, hey, let the preacher from Texas come down here and sit. And his seat was right beside the Milwaukee Bucks bench, right by the coach, sit there. And so he said, hey, come down and sit. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> let, let him move. I mean, I said, praise God. I went down there. I sat. I thought, man, it looks different from here. Right beside me, waiting to go in the game. The Greek freak was right there. I mean, there he was, big, tall, powerful. I just stood up beside him and said, how big an old boy are you? No, I didn't. I just said... <laughs> It was amazing, the game looked different, the players were faster, the team, it was amazing to sit in that seat and my access to that seat changed my perspective even of the game. We all love to get the good seat, the good seat at the movies, the good seat on the airplane, we always want the good seat. And how many Christians realize in their lives that wait a minute, I'm not fighting for a seat that I don't have, I already have the good seat. I'm already in the greatest seat that I could be because I'm seated with Christ. And you go, well, what does that mean? It relates to God in a healthy way. I'm talking about the atmosphere around your relationship with God. 
It doesn't produce arrogance. It produces humble confidence. Humble confidence. Oh, I know I was dead. By grace I've been saved, but by the grace of God, I've been brought into this position with Christ. He loves me and so that he can show his unfathomable riches and grace to the world. I'm his favorite. I'm adopted as his son. I'm adopted as his daughter. I've been given an inheritance. I'm part of this. It's just like in our own homes. My son, who's now off at college, when he lived at my house, his size shoe was the same as mine, his clothes and stuff. So look, I never, I mean, it was, it, I didn't know what was mine or what I had because he just accessed all of it. Come on, and daughters are worse. I mean, it's full blown. The makeup is not your makeup. Let me just tell you, ladies, when you get daughters. Of course, it could be unhealthy, and we do have this problem in the world, where my son might feel, I'm entitled to those clothes. I'm entitled to that food in the fridge. I'm entitled to it. It could produce a gross arrogance. I think I've seen some people in their relationship with God who you go, you're off a little bit because you're missing the grace. You're missing you were dead. You're missing the fact that this isn't about you. We've all seen it. It can get unhealthy. I actually believe, though, there's way more people on the other side. Way more people over here that it's like you're in the king's house. You're seated at the king's table. It's like the prodigal son story where the older brother, it's like everything I've had has been yours. Why are you living in such a selfish manner towards your brother? I think there's so many more people who don't realize, wait a minute, if you're acting apprehensive and insecure and afraid and I don't know and is God with me and I don't know if I'm even worthy to talk to him right now, you're gonna be always searching for strength. But when you know that, you have that humble confidence that says he is with me and there's a power there because of your access. Not because of you, because of your access to power. The second thing is acceptance. We're not fighting for acceptance. These passages tell us we're fighting from being accepted by him. He has accepted us. When we receive him by grace through faith, he's now seated us with him and we are now accepted by him. And when God looks at us, he looks at us in the same way he looks at Jesus. Do you think he's disapproving of Jesus? Do you think he doesn't approve of Jesus? Well, with Jesus Christ and his shed blood, it's now the definition of who we are, the God that created and blew the stars into existence. When he looks at us, he loves us with the same love that he loves his son. So we're accepted. You go, why is that important? Because you have things in your life that are killing you, the prince and the power of the air who steals, kills, and destroys that you wanna get rid of. You wanna get rid of that attitude. You wanna get rid of being sharp with your family. You wanna get rid of your lust. You wanna get rid of your addiction. You wanna get rid of it. Religion tells you, get more information and list the problem. You know what, we need to make sure that the list of those things being antithetical to God's desire for us are still real today. The standard hasn't changed. But we don't just list those and focus on those, we focus on the fact that we have been accepted by Jesus, forgiven by him, we're seated with him in heavenly realms, and because of now our newfound place and position of acceptance, 
He has put us above even that sin. And the more we focus on that and identify ourselves with who we are now, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, I'm telling you, some of you new believers, this is how sin starts falling out of your life. Religion doesn't say that. Religion says, hey, keep trying, keep working on it. And you know what? You come to church, you say, I'm gonna change this week. Oh man, that was convicting. And by Wednesday, you're doing it worse than you were before. Why? Because that doesn't work. There's people who say, well, you preach the grace of God. People will sin freely, preacher. I've learned in my 20-something years of pastoring, people don't need an excuse to sin freely. They're like, okay, Pastor Jeff gave me permission. I'm really gonna do it this week. You know what I'm saying? No, you're good at it. We're all good at it. How do you change? You don't change because he will reward you for this decision or that decision. You change because he has now said you are a different person and he's changed. Remember how the prince in the power of desires and thoughts? He changes your desires. We've all trained our kids with, if you do it good, you'll get some ice cream. Good thing is though, on your birthday, which I had my birthday this week, I turned 47 years old. We had a big staff gathering and, and our staff loves you by the way. And so we try to pour into them and minister to them. And we had some soul time and ministry time and worship time. And we had some fun. And so on my birthday, the staff said, hey, we need to have some fun. And you have to be good to get ice cream when you're a kid, but you just get it for being you when it's your birthday. So everyone on staff went up to the ice cream truck and they got a single scoop or a popsicle or something like that. But when I went, because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I ever ask or think, I always ask a second question. Do you have two scoops? And I found out they did, and I said, they said, well, I said, do you dip two scoops? They said, well, no one's ever asked that. I said, well, you're being asked right now. So I'm, I'm seated in heavenly realms, you see, ma'am. I'm, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly realms. So I, I got me two scoops dipped on my birthday. Y'all know what I'm saying. I mean, because God loves me. Y'all with me? I mean. Because he loves me. Again, it can get off course and you're like, Pastor, does God give us everything we want and can we always have two scoops? Life doesn't work that way. But I do believe that there's an access to God's love and acceptance and a joy of walking with him that many of us live outside of because we don't know who we really are in him. I wanna give you the final one. There's an assignment. That assignment will free you to find more power. Notice how the last part there, verse 10 says, before the foundation of the world. You may not have thought about this. You may not know this, some of you online. Before the foundation of the world, he had a plan for you. He put giftings inside of you. He had an assignment for you. He had a plan for you. And when you're walking in that, you'll find power. There's a strength. Did I say that means you have no problems? No. Sometimes, Problems are a sign you're actually doing what God's called you to do. You know, if you have no resistance from the devil, you may be going the same direction he is. Sometimes going God's way, the road less traveled where there's less traffic, means you have more resistance, but it's amazing how you can have resistance and problems and challenges, but be in your purpose and on assignment with God and sense outside of you a greater level of authority than if you weren't fulfilling your purpose. 
I, I, it's amazing. I, the disciples, when Jesus sent them out, I use this in 101, I talk about how we're called. We've been given a commission, not a suggestion, a cooperative mission with the King of Kings to advance the kingdom of God and make disciples. And every time I share it, I've done it for 17, 18 years, I've missed three of them. I've looked in the faces of these new people that are coming to our church and I say, God's given you an assignment to advance the kingdom. And in their eyes, I see them saying this back to me. They don't say it verbally, but they're saying, Preacher, we're just trying to join the church and make some friends. You're getting way too carried away. (laughs) But what's deeper than that statement is, I don't feel adequate. You got somebody else, somebody else, not me. Everyday me who's made all these mistakes. Why? You don't know how you're seated. You don't know your inheritance. You don't know your position. And you don't know the authority that's been transferred to you that's tied to that assignment. When you're in the place of God, fulfilling the purpose of God, you'll find the power of God. The power of God flows through those things in a unique way. We've all been off a little bit through this season. There's a lot of reasons why. Fear, the world, all kinds of stuff. Who knows? History only knows the impact of all of this on our souls and the things we've been through. It's not just the isolation from one another that has created so many challenges. Do you know one of the big ones, and I've talked to hundreds of people, pockets of people in our church, I've felt it. I've shared with you, the enemy lied to me, you're not needed in the new season of the church because your flow's not gonna work, and I told the devil to get six feet back. (laughs) But I'll get off. It's not whether you get in a funk, it's do you know how to get out of it. We've all had some things, but you know what the number one thing is? We've gotten off assignment. We stop practicing our faith. We stop being the sons and daughters. We stop walking in the authority that's tied to the assignment. Are you in your assignment from God? Are you flowing in the purpose that he has for you? I just wanna encourage you because it's been impactful for me. When I made the shift to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a son of the king. I've been called by him. It's not my calling. It's not my ability. It's not my strength. I just wanna be used. Yes, Lord, I, I sensed an authority come over me in those moments in the last few months. It's available for you too. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet with me. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And I wanna pray for those of you watching online or those of you at 1230. The first group I wanna pray for is as you bow your heads, I'm gonna ask you not to move for a minute. We're closing our service. But I believe this is a big moment for some of you. There's some of you here right now. You said, okay, wait a minute. I don't have to try to be better. I don't have to try to be religious. I don't. I just need to receive the gift. And the answer to that is yes. Have you ever received the gift of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and the fact that he's alive today and wants to live on the inside of you? You can just simply say, Jesus, come into my life. It's not about your religious words, it's about your heart. Jesus, here I am, you know me. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I received the gift today of your life and your salvation. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Online, I'm gonna ask you to reach out to people in the chat, people here in the service. Wherever you're at, you have to tell someone that you prayed that prayer so they can then help you walk out your faith. But I wanna pray over the second group. The group who says, I knew about grace through faith, I've been saved, but I didn't know about the and enough. Some of you need to be reminded of the and. 
You've been seated with Christ in heavenly realms, and you've been seated with him. This week, when you walk into that meeting or you try to come back home after a work day and you got to have energy for your family or you've got a problem of disunity in your family, you've got a health concern, you look at the game from a different angle because you're in that seat. And Lord, I pray right now and agree with the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're living an active, true word to us. And I pray this over my friends. And God raised us up with Christ. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.